You're listening to the Union Church Podcast. For more information about Union, please visit unionboston.org. You know, it dawned on me the other day that for quite a long time, I have not preached from the Psalms. Even though the 23rd Psalm was the first passage of scripture that I memorized, the very uh, first words of the Lord that were written upon the tablets of my heart, I have in many ways ignored the Psalms in preaching. You know how it is, sometimes uh, the very things that are closest to you are the things that you take for granted. Uh, The people, the privileges, the comforts that are so very close, so very dear to us, are sometimes the very things that we ignore, that we grow complacent with, that we feel that we are entitled to. And we start feeling like we've earned everything that we have. Yes, it's a dangerous thing that when you start living like you deserve everything that you've got. When you start living like the degrees on your wall or the money in your bank or the clothes that you wear or the good looks or the color of your skin or the fancy car you drive or the nice house you live in somehow gives you the right to do whatever you want. It's called privilege. And that's a sermon in and of itself. And I could, at this point, just sit right down. But when I do preach that sermon, I might just borrow the words of Kendrick Lamar and title it, Be Humble, Sit Down. Or perhaps a better, a better title, Be Humble, Stand Up and Give Thanks. Because to practice gratitude is to appreciate the grace of a God who woke us up this morning and started us on our way. A God, as the choir sang about... A God who put food on our table, clothes on our back, a roof over our head. Maybe we don't have the best of health, but God gave us a good portion of health. You say, see, the, the saints, they used to say it this way, that God did not have to do it, but God did. You see, and when I say this this morning, it's not merely a rhetorical ruse or homiletical hook, uh, but rather it is an intentional acknowledgement of the irony that although all people are, in fact, entitled to daily bread, we live in a world, an under just world, in fact, overrun by food insecurity, and as a result, not everyone goes to bed full at night. Therefore, I am not going to take for granted the food that I eat, because when I appreciate the food on my table, I'm going to work to ensure that there is food on my neighbor's table. So instead of privilege, I'm going to gain perspective. Yes, we must take time every now and again just to say, Thank you. Because we've become so conditioned to complaining about all the types of things in our life that aren't perfect. In our community, in our church, about our pastors. How often do we take the time to acknowledge the good things, the small things, and just say, thank you? Sure, the Psalms have implicitly shaped my sermons. But in many ways, they have been minor characters to add flourish and reference and not the focus in and of themselves. Uh, So today, I say thank you to God for the Psalms. Because sometimes, even when things are implicit, sometimes you have to make them explicit. 
uh, you know, uh, you might love someone, but that love takes on a different texture, a different meaning when we actually say it. When you put into words, when you verbalize that which we hold in our hearts, we give power to that emotion. When we say, I love you, so today, and in fact, for the next couple of weeks, I intend to change that oversight and the omission of not preaching about the Psalms, and I will be intentional about giving voice to some of the words of Scripture that have given me power. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. That's Psalm 23. You might ask, why do we need to make it intentional? Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord and who shall stand at his holy gates? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up their soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully. For he shall receive blessing from the Lord our God of righteousness, from the God of our salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek the face of the God of Jacob. So we lift up our heads to the king of glory. That is Psalm 24. You might ask why. Well, I say because the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Oh, yes, I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to take heart. I'm going to take courage because I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's Psalm 27. You might ask why we must make explicit and intentional uh, these, these words of Scripture that have been written upon the tablets of our hearts because I will lift up my eyes to the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes from the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That's Psalm 121. So therefore, beloved, we turn to Psalm 91 on today, which is our lectionary lesson for today. And in the words of the psalmist as recorded in chapter 91, we can rest assured that no matter what we're going through, in the words of Julian of Norwich, all shall be well. No matter the trials and the tribulations, all shall be well and all manner of things will be well. Therefore, we can rest assured because, as the psalmist said, God guarantees our protection. God guarantees our well-being. So we can surrender our sleepless nights into the hands of a God who knows us and who holds us, a God who knows us by name and calls us by name. We can rest assured in the bosom of our God and have a confidence that there is a hedge of protection around us because we stand on holy ground as holy people and God loves us and God desires the very best for us. Oh yes, we can rest assured as it is written in Psalm 91, the first verse, you who live in the shelter of the Most High, 
who abide in the shadow of the Almighty will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You see, the book of Psalms, it is a treasure trove full of wisdom and knowledge. Actually, you see, this is why the book of Psalms is placed right in the middle of the Bible. Right at the very heart of the Bible, you find the book of Psalms. I give thanks today for my uh, Sunday school teacher back in Buffalo, New York, in my home church, Metropolitan United Methodist Church, uh, Brother Earl Parker Sr. God rest his soul. And he taught me to always carry my Bible on this journey called life because he taught me that the Bible is a roadmap. And he said, when you open your roadmap on this journey called life, right in the middle, you'll find the book of Psalms. So, so that when you're right in the middle of a situation of trials and tribulation, when you turn to the middle of the text, you might find words, wonderful words of life, of reassurance that will hold you and empower you to rest assured that no matter what you're going through, God goes with you. Yes, the organizers of the Bible uh, placed it right in the middle. Now, it doesn't uh, quite work if you read uh, the Bible from your smartphone or your tablet. But when you hold a, a paper copy of the Bible, and I, I invite you to do this when you, when you pull out a, a paper copy of the Bible, you just look right at the middle. And when you open it, you'll find yourself right in the book of Psalms. Now, when you try this exercise, if you end up in the book of Proverbs, which is the book after the book of Psalm, or if you end up in uh, the book of Job, which is the book right before the book of Psalms, blame it not on me, but blame it on the astigmatism or your vision. Amen? <laughs> but right in the middle, you find these wonderful words of life that we might open our Bible and read them. As a genre, the, the Psalms, they're really songs. They're poems, odes, ballads about our life in the view of God. You might think of them as songs of the heart, right in the middle, in the heart of the Bible. And these songs of the heart express the desires of the heart when your heart is full and when your heart is broken in pieces. The Psalms, the book of Psalms is real talk. They talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Real, honest, open conversations about this thing called life. Sometimes they're love songs of praise and of thanksgiving, and at other times they're country songs of lament. You know how those country songs go, my, my woman left me, or in my case, my man left me and, and my dog died. 
so, so, so the car broke down and, and, and all that. But the Psalms, they give voice. They give voice to the good times and the bad times of, of praise and of thanksgiving. Today, we look at Psalm 91. Next week, we'll look at Psalm 137, which is a song of lament when people in exile, the Israelites, were taken from their homeland because of the oppressive forces of the Babylonians and found themselves in foreign lands, and they wanted to sing and remember those songs of Zion from days of old, when life was a little bit better. So we'll look next week at Psalm 137, and then uh, we'll look on October the 13th at Psalm 66, three lectionary psalms as we continue our study of getting into the word so that the word might get inside of us and be written upon the tablets of our hearts. And you'll note that I said today we look at Psalm 91 in the book of Psalms with an S which is to say a psalm is singular, and when we speak of the collective book, the songs, the psalms, we add an S, but I digress. <laughs> the real point I want to make today is that the book of psalms is really a unique form of biblical literature that will speak to our hearts, that will speak to our hearts and give us insights that when we find ourselves in the midst, in the middle of something, we can turn to the middle of the Bible and find reassurance so that we might rest assured. You see, a few weeks ago at the beginning of September, we came from the book of Hebrews, which we identified as a sermon. And earlier in August, we examined the book of Colossians, which uh, we said was a letter, an, a, a, an ancient email written by uh, one individual named Paul sent to a community, a, a community in the ancient city of Colossae. And in the Bible, there are also other books, books of history, like Ezra and Nehemiah, or the book of Chronicles and Kings, which give a historical account that is full of genealogies that provide an orderly account of the people of Israel. And we also find in the Bible books of prophecy that, uh, that are the words of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Amos and Ezekiel and other prophets of old, a minor and major, who spoke truth to power. And then, of course, we find the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and as Christians, we declare that there is something particular about those Gospels, something unique about the story that they tell. So when we hear uh, those holy words and we acknowledge that we are standing on holy uh, ground, we stand in church because they are narratives written as good news. They're written, yes, about Jesus, the historical Jesus, but they're a little bit different they're a little bit different than the historical accounts that we find in 
Ezra and Nehemiah and the book of Chronicles and so on, uh, because the, the attempts in the Gospels, which are written a few years, 30, 40, uh, 70 years after the death of Christ, the, the point is not to give so much of a historical account of Jesus, but rather it is written uh, to unveil an understanding of Christ who comes into the world, and because the coming of Christ into the world, we experience good news in the midst of bad situations. So the Gospels for us is it's good news that speaks the truth about a God who reveals the truth of our identity through Christ Jesus. So the point is, although compiled in a single volume, the Bible is actually not a single book, but rather a collection of books with many types of literature, history, gospels, letters, sermons, and yes, psalms. So the Bible itself is a library, a collection of books. And although we say the Bible, which often means a single item, we're actually talking about a series of books collected in one book, one volume which is not to diminish the text, but rather to open it up, to introduce us to the incredible range and infinite possibilities of a God who speaks to many people throughout many years, thousands of years across time and space, the Bible in its many voices and its many books speaks about one God who has been faithful to us down through these years. And in many, there is one, there is one God who is known to us by many names. And in Psalm 91, we encounter the power of an almighty God. Yes, an infinite God who covers us an infinite God who shelters us. And because God shelters us, we have the assurance of God's protection. In verse 3 of Psalm 91, it says that God will save us from our enemies. And then in verse 4, it says that, that God will cover us from the arrows by night and the attacks of the enemy by day. So because God will cover us and God will save us, in verse 5, it says that you will not fear. Amen. Because God will save and God will cover us, we will not fear and we can rest assured in the power of the one who is the cause, that original cause that causes an effect in us that we can rest assured that all shall be well. And in the infinite power of a God of possibilities, the only thing impossible for God is that the infinite possibilities of God through Christ Jesus cannot be denied in our lives. That the only thing impossible for God is that God cannot act against God's self. 
So God promises us assurance and protection. And in that truth, we can ground our hope. I know some of you might be thinking right now, well, if I am guaranteed of God's protection, what happens when, when things go wrong in my life? What happens when harm comes my way and violence rises up in life and in our community and the world around us? Uh, the fancy way of thinking about this question is called theodicy. Why do bad things happen to good people? And yes, it, it, is, this, uh, is this God going back on God's promises? Did the psalmist uh, get it wrong? And I, I must admit that, that I, too, uh, struggle with this question, why do uh, bad things happen to good people? And this question of theodicy has troubled theologians from the very beginning of time. And I'm not interested today, this afternoon, beloved, in giving simple answers to tough questions because we do not want to pacify our problems with platitudes. There's no easy way out. But yet and still, when I look at the entirety of the story, from beginning to end, when I look at the whole and entire witness of scripture, and when we look at the entirety of our story. In fact, when we look back over our lives and we think things over, how many of you in this place can truly say that you've got a testimony? That when we look over the entirety of our lives, yes, we might be in difficult times, we might be in trials, in situations, but when we look at the entirety of our lives, grounded in the very lifespan of Jesus Christ, Christ, we might experience blessed assurance and realize that, yes, we are truly blessed and we've got a testimony. And even though I surrender to God, I will not surrender to a world that tries to take my life and I will never surrender my hope. Yes, troubles do rise, but there is one who goes through with us through the trials and the troubles and the tribulations, and his name is Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. So even when the world tries to steal our joy, we can turn to the lifespan of Jesus Christ, the one who came in the world, who ministered in the world, and because of the good news that he brought was even crucified and died. But still on the third day, he was resurrected. And we who ground ourselves in that gospel message, in the message of Christ, we find ourselves as resurrected people. So yes, when you reach the end, return to the beginning. When you reach the end, return to the beginning because there was one who was in the beginning. When you reach the end of the road and you're ready to throw in your towel because you've reached the end of your rope and you don't know where to go, return to the beginning. And in the beginning, verse 1 of Psalm 91, it declares that you who live 
in shelter. Those who live in shelter under the wings of the almighty and infinite and everlasting God, we might find our trust and our refuge. We might find our trust and our refuge. And when we find our trust and our refuge in that one who is the first and the last, the beginning and the end, we can rest assured. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about Union Church, please visit unionboston.org.